Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence at cmlibrary.org. Hey, listeners, welcome to this fall 2021 edition of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words, part of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. In this episode, we visit with Christy Hallberg, author of Searching for Jimmy Page, a coming-of-age tale that takes the reader from the hills of eastern North Carolina to the streets of London. When Linda Kane recovers a memory of her dead mother, a mentally ill woman obsessed with Jimmy Page, she seeks a connection with her mother by searching for her father. Liza Weiland, author of Paris 7 a.m., had this to say about the book. In her wondrous first novel, Christy Hallberg gives us a mystery, a mother-daughter love story, a pan to rock and roll, and a window into the culture of Eastern North Carolina, all joined seamlessly by the elegance and poetry of her writing. It's a book that begs to be read twice, first to find out the true story of Luna's parentage, and then again, immediately, but more slowly, to savor the beauty of the language. Before we jump into the uninterrupted interview today, I'd like to thank you for being here. We are grateful for your presence and uh, really appreciate your time joining us here on the podcast. I'm your host, Landis Wade. I'm a uh, recovering trial lawyer turned author turned podcaster of books and stories. And if you run out of things to do one day, you can check me out at uh, LandisWade.com. Find out more about uh, me and uh, my writing. For everything related to the podcast, check out charlottereaderspodcast.com. We've got show notes on each episode uh, with images and links. we also got a community blog there. Uh, if you're a writer, you can submit there. We've got a lot of great content. And speaking of great content, uh, we put out a book report every two weeks. It's free to sign up for, and uh, there's some free stuff you get when you sign up. You can check that out at the uh, podcast website. Uh, hey, we won't spam you because, frankly, that takes way too much time. Speaking of free stuff, if you like audiobooks and you go to libro.fm, L-I-B-R-O.fm, and uh, sign up with uh, their audiobook service, uh, use the promo code Charlotte Reader and get a free audiobook. Last thing I want to tell you right quick before we jump into the episode is that we have what's called a Patreon channel, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. It's a place where our authors uh, and I do a deeper dive into the craft of writing and the business of writing. And uh, you can join us there and, and support the podcast when you do for uh, as little as $5 a month or $8 if you tip. Uh, we put out a lot of content on that page and uh, we've had a lot of fun doing it. I, I've certainly learned a lot about the craft and business of writing on our Patreon page. So join us uh, at Patreon or through our website, charlottereaderspodcast.com. But enough of this prologue. Let's get to today's episode. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, And congratulations on the book. Thank you. It was a long time coming. Yeah, I, I like that deep breath. And and so, <laughs> you know, as far as that goes, I want to start there because I know this has been a long time coming for you. Many years. You talk about that uh, in the back of the book here. Um, and I mean, you were as much on a journey uh, as Luna Kane was in searching for Jimmy Page. So talk about that journey, Christy, how long this took to put this novel together and some of the things you went, did along the way. Well, it started off as my MFA thesis. I went to Goddard College for my MFA, and um, 
the name of that book was And When the Owls Cry, which is a line from the Led Zeppelin song, Four Sticks. And, and that song is an important motif in, in the final novel. It has been in every incarnation. So I started out working on that. Um, my mother died and I sort of shelved it for a long time. I graduated and I just didn't do anything with it. And then in 2014, my um, then husband, Bill Hallberg, died. And I went back to that seed, but I decided to write a memoir instead. And so that's what I did for a couple of years, worked on that. And um, really, it, it, it all kind of goes back to this journey that I took in 2005 to try and, and heal from my mother's death. Um, I went to England and I thought, you know, if I can just do something totally out of the ordinary, and, which would be to, to jump on a plane and, and go to England where I've never been out of the country before. I didn't have a passport, but I found out that Jimmy Page was going to be judging a guitar contest with Brian May of Queen. And I thought, I'm going to somehow get there. And if I could just meet him, if I could do that then maybe I'll have the strength to kind of get through the rest of the healing process in dealing with my mom's death. And so that's what I did. And so when I started working on the memoir after Bill died, um, that's largely what it focused on. But then I just realized this is really more of a, a healing tool. So mm -hmm. it doesn't need to, to um, see the light of day. So that was a bitter pill to swallow, but um, then I went back to the drawing board and decided to go back to the idea of a novel and kind of took all of what had gone on in both of those different versions and, and created something new. And that's what the novel became. Yeah, well, it sounds like your journey and Luna's journey is a little bit alike there in terms uh, of yeah, the, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> jumping on a plane, going to London, going to <laughs> a guitar contest to find Jimmy Page. Uh, yeah. Well, for our, for our listeners, uh, Christy, who who don't know much about Jimmy Page and his contribution to rock and roll, uh, clue us in. Jimmy Page began as a session guitarist in London in the early 1960s, and he played on everything. And then he joined the band The Yardbirds. And from there, he formed Led Zeppelin. When The Yardbirds broke up, he formed Led Zeppelin. So um, he was just this enigmatic guitar player, producer. He produced all of Led Zeppelin's records. Um, he's just this brilliant musician with this incredible vision for this band, um, sort of to marry the two different sounds of, of heaviness and lightness. And that's, you know, what they created is, is now a rock and roll classic. Yeah, well, I used to have a morning paper route, and one of the songs that would get me through most of my route was uh, Stairway to Heaven because it took, <laughs> it it took forever. And uh, there's a little bit uh, I saw on the Internet about uh, how they made that. And one of the places, uh, the settings in the book, uh, is it Headley Manor? Is that it? Where they, Headley where they, Grange. Headley Grange, yes. Mm -hmm. um, it, describe that for us, what that was like, that, that particular place. Well... I, I've been to London four times now on my own, all on these little pilgrimage pilgrimages to see all these Led Zeppelin landmarks. And so in, in 2015, I went for the third time and I really wanted to see Headley Grange. So I tracked down the owner online and wrote him a letter and I didn't want to just show up. I'm sure a lot of people do, but mm -hmm. I wanted to just, I wanted to go inside as well as not just see the outside. So I was invited to come, and it's this incredible 
um, old Victorian-looking manor house. I think it used to be a, a workhouse back in the 1800s. And it, it's got ivy growing up the sides and just beautiful landscaping. Um, very Dickensian. So when you walk inside, there's this incredible stairway. And it, it just it holds the whole house captive. You, it, it just is the most prominent part of the house. So it's it's amazing to walk in there and be in the midst of that kind of rock and roll history. I'll never forget it. And I and he walked me into the parlor where the piano that Robert Plant used was in there. Um, there was the fireplace where Robert Plant sat and wrote a good bit of the lyrics to Stairway to Heaven. So and they recorded in that house too. They didn't just write. And, and a lot of the the album was written uh, elsewhere, but they recorded a lot of it in there because it's got this great tall ceiling. So the acoustics are amazing. Mm, yeah. And uh, listeners, we're going to actually do a little uh, on our Patreon page after this at patreon.com forward slash Charlotte Roos podcast. Christy and I are going to take a little tour of all these places. Uh, it's, it's part of her literary research. So you can join us there. But Christy, uh, you know, I noticed that uh, your Twitter and Instagram handles say, uh, in addition to being a writer, author of this book, you know, senior associate editor, you know, all this kind of thing, North Carolina Literary Review, you are also what you call a rocker chick. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. t- t- tell us, uh, tell us how you became a uh, rocker chick. It's, it's almost like you're Batwoman. You have a respectful day, <laughs> day job as an English teacher and an editor, but at night you jump in your rock and roll Batmobile and you. you there you go. Yeah. Put on the rhinestones. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's in the DNA. Really, I'm I'm the youngest of four children, and I, I'm much younger. In fact, my my oldest sibling is 14 years older, and then there's my sister at 12 and a half years older, and and then um, another brother is 10 years older, and they all loved music. They all loved very different kinds of music. So I, I remember a story that uh, my brother Greg used to tell me when I was a baby and I would cry, they would put on the Beach Boys, Don't Worry Baby. So I, I just, and he loved the Carpenters and my sister loved country rock. And my brother Steve was um, a drummer in local rock and roll bands back in Greenville, North Carolina, where I was born and grew up in the eastern part of the state. Full River in the novel is, is modeled on that that um, town. But Steve used to play drums in various rock bands and he idolized John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. So that's how I got to that point. And I, I just grew up loving music. And now it's branched out. I have pretty eclectic taste, but for a long time, it was it was strictly that period, 60s and 70s. Yeah, because they came, I mean, you know, we're I was pretty young in the 60s, 70s, but Led Zeppelin was late 60s and then the 70s, yeah. and, then, and then they disbanded, right? I mean, you, in 1980, you, you kind of had to adopt the this band after you sort of grew up, right? Because they were, you know, Did. yeah, yeah, and uh, then the music was changing. Well, that's that's interesting. Uh, so uh, your fascination with Led Zeppelin, uh, it obviously didn't end when the band ended. You stayed uh, attached to the idea. Why did you say stay so attached to Led Zeppelin? There was something about the band and especially about Jimmy Page that that just always grabbed me. Um, The first time that I really remember seeing him, my mother and I, I was 15 years old. My mother and I came home from Sunday school or church 
And my brother Steve was on the sofa watching MTV's broadcast of the Led Zeppelin concert movie, The Song Remains the Same. And I saw Jimmy, and it's it's very much like what I described in the book, that that first real vision of him. Um, and, and he was dressed, he had esoteric clothes on. He had, he had like this black satin outfit on with, with stars and astrological signs and whatnot on it. And he just looked so ethereal and at the same time, a little bit dangerous. And, and it just, it really struck my imagination. And so that was the first impression. And then I just dove into the music and, and really began to appreciate just how eclectic that band was. Yeah, well, um, this is your your first novel. You've had other, uh, you know, award-winning publications. It's all been shorter pieces uh, in different publications and different contests. But uh, as I said, first full-length novel. Did you find that writing uh, this novel to be an extension of what you're doing or something entirely different? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, a lot of what I write, whether it's short fiction or the, the book, obviously, or even creative nonfiction tends to, and I, I don't plan it this way. This is just the way my brain works or where my interests are. Um, they, they tend to focus on music, pop culture type things and, and music. So I, I guess I, I do see it as an extension or maybe the, it, maybe it's the other way around. Mm, that's good. All right. Well, the title of the book is searching for Jimmy page. Um, it is a, uh, it is a search uh, uh, for this uh, iconic guitarist uh, in London and uh, Luna Kane. We're going to talk about her. Jumps on a plane and goes for lots of different reasons. But uh, Shauna, who helps me with show notes, wondered whether the real search by Luna might be for some kind of connection with her dead mother. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a lot of searching going on in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about your own pilgrimage and how this might have been a memoir at one time. You were obviously searching as well. Were you continuing to search as you wrote this novel for for some of these answers you were looking for before? A lot of the book deals with identity and what does it mean to, in a name, for example. Luna is, is obsessed with finding out who her father is, as as if having a name would make a difference in, in who she is. So a lot of the book has to do with, with who am I? And and I think that's a, a journey that we all go on, whether we intend to or not, or whether we're even aware of it or not. That's what we're doing every day. Who am I? What, what am I doing here? Um, how am I connected to other people? Where do I fit in, in the greater scheme of things? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I was searching while I was writing. And, and Luna, the character, uh, we might as well talk about her briefly here. She's uh, sort of a misfit outcast, not part of the cool crowd at school. She's around 18 years old. She doesn't have mer- very many memories of her mother who died by suicide and her mother who had an obsession with Jimmy Page. But mm-hmm. Luna's kind of pushing the envelope. She's got a good friend, but she's got, she'll cut her hair. She does some off the wall kind of things. She, um, it, part of what you say is trying to find her identity, right? But she's pushing back at everything, which is kind of what rock and roll is about, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, she's she's a, a rebel. She's a rocker chick, too. <laughs> Luna, Luna and I are alike in some ways, but she's a lot smarter than I am, and she's a lot more daring than I am. Um, Luna's a, a, a gothic girl, 
you know, goth chick. And we, we have some things in common in that we both were on our own search for various reasons. But uh, yeah, as I say, I think she's a lot smarter and more creative than I am. And she's a writer as well, but she's, in my mind, a lot better than I am too. So it was kind of fun to just wrap myself up in her and live vicariously through her. Yeah, she didn't bother uh, riding ahead to go visit Headley Grange. She just jumped uh-uh. the fence and went up to the front door, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, um, you know, as as you were writing this book, as you said, over these years, you had suffered the loss of your mother and then your husband. Um, how much of that grief, Christy, made it into this book, or was that sort of handled in the memoir that you wrote? A lot of it was handled in the memoir. I, I, I worked out a lot of stuff in that, mm-hmm. but it's certainly in the novel as well. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is a girl who's who's who wants her mother back, who wants that connection, and goes to various lengths to try and have any sort of connection with her. Yeah, and the inciting incident in this book is the winter of 1988. Luna's dying great grandfather claims to hear owls crying in the night. And he asks Luna, can you hear the music? Which kind of triggers a memory of her dead mother's obsession with Jimmy Page. Now, now tell us again that connection with the owls and how that comes into play with Led Zeppelin. It has to do with the song Four Sticks, which is on the iconic fourth album, the one with Stairway to Heaven on it. Uh, the one that was largely recorded at Headley Grange. So that song has a line, when the owls cry in the night, um, when the pines begin to cry. So... Those images come up a lot in the book. Um, Moonlight, the moon is a a motif in the book, but the pines and the owls. And so when the grandfather claims to hear owls crying in the night, that that triggers a memory of that song, which was playing in the room when her mother killed herself. Mm, Yeah. And of course, Luna, uh, a nod to the the moonlight as well. Um, All right. right, Look, we've got a little, uh, this is, we do this on Charlotte's podcast. We have the authors read their work. You're going to read uh, a few few chapters into the book, but uh, why don't you set it up here? You know, uh, we've got uh, the main character here, Luna, and she's having a conversation with her friend. Tell us about her friend and sort of where we are in the book. She's with her friend, Connie, and they both work at KFC. And and I actually worked at KFC when I was in high school, too. Um, they're sitting outside KFC in the parking lot. Luna asked Connie to try and get her magic mushrooms several days before. And she's getting ready to explain to Connie why she wanted them, which was, I think I'm skipping over that part, but she wanted them because she wanted to have some kind of connection, some mystical, spiritual connection with her mother and thought that a psychedelic drug might get her there. So that's what's going on right before this scene. You've heard of Led Zeppelin, right? I said. She shrugged. Yeah, I guess so. My mom had a thing for the guitarist, Jimmy Page. She thought he put messages in their music about them, especially in this one song, like they were star-crossed lovers or some bullshit like that. Connie tapped her fingernails on the can. She had a congenital inability to fathom anything but the literal, the logical. What kind of messages? She asked dubiously. I should stop right now, I thought. Change the subject. Talk about something banal. The weather, maybe. It's fucking cold, colder than usual this winter. Remember the last time it was this fucking cold that snowed over two feet, and that old lady who lived between Full River and Grimesland froze to death in her trailer. Which do you think is worse, 
freezing to death or burning to ash, talk about anything else, or better yet, don't talk at all. I was betraying Claudia somehow, betraying my family's silence. We'll go back to the way things were before. It'll be all right if we just pretend this never happened, Aunt Lorraine had said. Do you think the dead can see the living, I thought? Does their vaporous skin still smell of lavender and moonlight? Can they follow you from one room to another, command you to enter with a butterscotch whisper? I combed my fingers through my hair, found the knot, and pressed it hard. I wanted to feel the pain. I wanted to remember it, all of it, before was rooted in now, a stopped clock on the dead man's mantle. Silence wasn't a panacea, a vehicle to oblivion. Not anymore. Connie nudged me. Come on, Luna, what kind of messages? I don't know exactly, I said, surprisingly calm. She'd get all weepy talking about him sometimes, though. No kidding, so they actually met? Yeah, well, I think so. She used to talk about going to a Led Zeppelin concert in Raleigh or Charlotte. Could have been Greensboro. As far as I know, she never traveled outside North Carolina, so it had to have been someplace in-state. One of the assistant managers emerged through the back door and waved at us. We hid our beers inside our coats and waited for him to jog to his car, then peel out of the parking lot. Connie handed me what was left of her beer. You finish it. I gotta drive. Just pour it out, I said. I gotta eat dinner and do homework when I get home, and I'm already buzzing. She grumbled something about not wasting perfectly good beer and took a gulp. So when was that concert, she asked, wiping her mouth with the back of her hand. I'm not sure, I said. Wait, winter 1969. She told me she got the ticket on her birthday. Late February 1969. Funny, I said, marveling at the circularity. She would have been the same age I am now when she went to that concert. Connie slapped my thigh. Christ on the stick, Luna. Your birthday is in November. I know what my birthday is. So what? So you would have been conceived in late February of 69, and you said your mom told you she met Jimmy Page in late February of 69. I pushed her hand away. I didn't say for sure she met him. I just said she went to a Zeppelin concert. Why would she think he put messages about them in a song if they never met? She hopped off the car and began to pace in front of me. Can you imagine? You could be a rock star's kid. That's great. That's great. That's sort of the what if for this book, right? You could be a rock star. Yeah. And uh, we're going to go find out uh, the answer to that question. Um, She starts in this small town in North Carolina um, and, uh, you know, she ends up in London. uh, Kind of a circuitous way of getting there. You almost wonder whether she's ever going to make it. Yeah. Um, And uh, I, I wonder, you know, as she's stumbling around London, was that some of the way you were feeling as you were going through this when you were on your quest over there to, I mean, you were older, obviously, when you went, but uh, still, it's a strange place. You're going to strange settings. Uh, did you feel a little, uh, you know, uneasy about what you were doing? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd i never been out of the country before, and I was by myself. And I, you're right. I was older. I was 35, I think. But I, I definitely just the the idea of, of of looking one way instead of the other when you cross the street and uh, just everything I was gobsmacked just like Luna mm. uh, a lot of that confusion that I put in there when she gets to to Heathrow and then is trying to find the hotel that's pretty much what I went through the first time I got there just stumbling around trying to figure out where to go now you dealt with uh, several themes in the book uh, you know 
one of which is the uh, you know, mental illness uh, of the of the mother. Uh, I assume that's what's going on there. She's she, she sort of speaks of her mother in these flashbacks and what she can remember. Mm-hmm. And then there's the suicide. Uh, but then there's the mother daughter relationship issue going on here, which was a bit fractured because the mother was kind of off, you know, in a trance, you know, a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, why did you want to deal with those issues in this book? Uh, you know, I don't know that I I wanted to so much. I don't know that I chose that. It's, it may sound strange, but Claudia, the mother kind of came to me fully formed in a way. She just came with this baggage and I didn't quite know what that was about until I started writing. I learned a lot about what happened to her and I don't want to say too much about that. I don't want to give too much away, but I, I, I didn't necessarily want to write about mental illness. It just struck me that Claudia had these spells and that the music was what soothed her. So that was what was so important about the music to her. It was, it was a way for her to sort of get away from the dark periods that she experienced. Well, um, you know, when we talk about antagonists in the book, uh, they can be people, they can be circumstances. I mean, it could be one of the antagonists was Luna trying to find her way around London. But uh, I wonder if her her mother was, in, in essence, an antagonist uh, in this book. Wow, that's a great question or observation. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I, I haven't really thought about it like that, but definitely the mother had the mother lived. It, it would have been interesting to see how Luna would have handled her mother's illness uh, because she was quite young when Claudia died. And her aunt Lorraine, her mother's sister, uh, elder sister, sort of brings this up in conversation with uh, Luna's grandmother at one point. In fact, she wants to take Luna. This is before Claudia kills herself. She wants to take Luna away and raise her away from Claudia so that it won't, that kind of, of the, the issues that her mother is experiencing won't touch her or she thinks they won't touch her out of sight, out of mind. Lorraine is real big on let's not talk about it. Let's just bury everything and move on. If you don't see it and we don't talk about it, then it's not there. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you know, in in novels, um, there's this uh, sort of surface plot that uh, we know in this book is she's out. She's trying to find her father. She's on this quest kind of thing. But there are also these, you know, sub, I don't want to call them subplots, maybe themes under the surface, Mm -hmm. some of which we're talking about here. But which uh, which of the themes that uh, that are in this book sort of uh, came to you as you were writing them, as opposed to being something conscious you set out to do from the beginning? Uh, I think the book is um, a story about both grief and identity, and the power of art in and how we deal with both of those things. Uh, how art connects us with ourselves and to others. So that was a major theme that really evolved. The more I found out about these people, the more alive to me they became. Um, and and their, their plights, that 
is a major theme that I, I've decided consciously to do something with. Mm, that's great. All right. Well, the book is Search for Jimmy Page. It's uh, it's an interesting read. It's well-written. I enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, I want to ask a few writing life questions now before we wrap up. Uh, what was the hardest thing, Christy, about writing this novel? Oh, gosh. Um, finally settling on the genre. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was hard. Um, uh, but actually, the writing part of it, I, I'm, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. The hardest thing about getting it published was dealing with lyrics. Because initially, I had a lot of lyrics from Led Zeppelin in there. And in my naivete, thought, oh, well, it won't be a problem. I'll just I'll ask for permission, and that'll be the end of that. And that is a whole other journey, searching for permission for lyrics, a whole other story. <laughs> but suffice to say, I took out the lyrics. Yeah. Well, I can, I can see uh, as an attorney how that would be an issue you need to think about, get permission, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But, um, it, uh, but beyond getting the permission itself, was there something else about this project uh, that you found to me uh, more daunting? Because, you know, as I said, it's your first long piece, uh, and there's a lot that's different about that sometimes than what you do with the shorter pieces. Yeah. Well, when I started writing, I had – I had the beginning. I knew what I was going to do in the first chapter. And I had the last line of the book. Getting from A to Z was an interesting journey. And, and I don't outline. That's, that's, not, that's not how I roll. So I had to, it, it was, the hardest part, I guess, was hoping, that the fear that the muse would leave midway through and that I wouldn't know how it all evolved, how I was going to get to that very important last line. Um, yeah, just just hoping the inspiration would stay with me, just just hoping the new ideas would come, that that the plot would flesh out, and that I would do it justice. I, I, I felt that this was the book I was always meant to write, and if I couldn't get it right, then I, I wouldn't be able to do anything else. So I put a lot of pressure on myself. Hmm. So I know that uh, how the book ends. I'm not going to spoil that for uh, <laughs> Thank our, you. Our, our readers. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't have any guests showing up on Charlotte's podcast. If I did that. <laughs> but uh, now that your novel's in the world, you know, uh, after all these years and your your quest is complete uh, here with uh, this particular novel, how do you feel about having it in the world? It's scary because it, hmm. it, you don't know how people will react to it. You don't know. Everything is pretty much out of my control at this point. I mean, I can work on promotion. I can, I can do podcasts and interviews and, and readings. And, well, I hope I can do readings with the way COVID's going. Um, but how people will react is completely out of my control. And I'm so type A that that drives me nuts. That I don't have any control over what happens now. So it's well, scary. Yeah. Well, Lona didn't have any control over her quest, and you didn't have any control when you went over to London. You still did it anyway, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you wrote a book, even though you didn't have no control. Well, true. <laughs> <laughs> Slogged <laughs> through it. Slogged through it. Well, but but apart from that, I mean, you know, how people receive it, you know, is one thing, and you never know because sometimes it's right away, sometimes it's over time. Yeah. But in terms of you looking back, I mean, over this book, uh, you put so much time into this and everything. Um, are you satisfied with the end result? 
I am. I, I, I mean, like every every writer, I'm sure, I'll read through sometimes and go, oh, I wish I'd changed yeah. that word or, oh, <laughs> that sentence yeah. needs tweaking. So I'm, yeah. that's always going to happen. Everything of yeah. mine I've written that I go back and read, I, I do that. Yeah. Now, will your next novel take 20 years? I sure hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, if you could, uh, I ask this question sometimes, um, if you could tell your younger novel writing self something helpful, uh, you know, way back when, when you thought about making this into a novel, um, some of the things you've learned since uh, you went through this process, what would it be? Forget about using song lyrics. <laughs> I, would, I would tell my younger self that. <laughs> I would say just try to get to the essence of the song and get do a creative workaround, but forget hunting down permission for lyrics. That'd be one thing. And, and the other thing, I would say try to relax and enjoy the ride and, and don't don't put so much pressure on yourself. But mm-hmm. then I'm giving myself that advice right now at this present stage. So let's let's hope I can take it now. Yeah, I mean, you put so much work into it, and it's it's it's, it's a good book. Just enjoy the ride, enjoy the experience, uh, Thank as you, you say. Yeah, and uh, so we're gonna uh, in just a second we're gonna jump over. We're gonna talk about your literary uh, quest here. Your your I guess we're calling it. Uh, it's a it's a rock and roll pilgrimage with yeah. uh, literary research. You can do that at Patreon. Uh, listeners, come join us. But Christy, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to talk with us on Charlotte's podcast about searching for Jimmy Page. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on. If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving a short written review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice, because when you do, our authors' voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land. And if you're inclined to help us help authors give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter. You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com.